0: Hello and welcome to the Ask Dr. Ben podcast. I'm your host, Ben Johnson. As a holistic minded physician, I've spent the last 20 years looking outside the box and conducting research to find the true causes of skin conditions and other diseases. And while the focus of my work has been on aesthetic medicine and unlocking the secrets to reversing skin damage, this podcast will also include many other exciting revelations pertaining to you and your family's health and well being. So let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ask Dr. Ben. My pleasure to be coming to you weekly. So excited to give you another update on the pandemic. So this uh, episode is Pandemic Update the Slippery Slope. And it's basically uh, a follow-up to what I'd said in my original pandemic thoughts. I got a lot of positive feedback from everyone appreciating the perspective. I think at this time, it's important that we consider the way the information is being fed to us and, you know, make a decision for ourselves what makes sense and what doesn't. I try to take a very neutral perspective to this and I hope you can appreciate that I'm applying as much reason and logic to it as I can and uh, taking the emotion out of it, taking the, you can't really take the side of it that sounds a little bit conspiratorial because, Of course, the information comes in bits and pieces, and you have to make sense of it, and you have to want to dive deeper in in order to really verify what's out there. So let's revisit the the big picture of this pandemic. So we have to start with this idea that it is global. So when you realize that the pandemic is global and that we're dealing with a man-made virus— that there is a global effort at hand, you know, I'm going to use the term, but don't don't let this send you off into whatever preconceived notions you had of the concept, but this idea of one world order has been a theme for a long time, and... You know, there are a lot of movements happening right now that support that idea. And so I what would, I would just pose to you is the fact that this has hit every nation in the world and the fact this the, was a man-made virus tells you that there is a global effort going on. So I was going to share some of my ideas about what that ultimate goal might be and then what might be the divine goal because I actually think there's divine purpose to this as well so we'll get to those in a minute but first let's talk about the the idea of is this really a man-made virus and again it it came out through different news sources that in fact you know these viral labs which are located all around the world in exclusive secret locations in some cases on islands you know that are remote and inaccessible it's crazy like it's like reads like a spy novel sometimes when you dive deep enough you realize how How much is going on uh, that we're funding, by the way, you know, in in America, we have the National Institute of Health. The National Institute of Health is funding viral projects all the time. Uh, Apparently, there's some strong evidence that the NIH funded the coronavirus research that went on at the Wuhan lab. Yes, I know it sounds too crazy to be true, but in fact... That does appear to be the case if you really want to analyze the coronavirus itself, which, remember, has been mapped. This is, you know, it's time we start identifying these viruses for what they are. It's a piece of code and your body is a very advanced artificial intelligence system. And so an RNA virus in particular, which is the vast majority of viruses that are causing issues on the planet today, and I have a theory as to why that is, but the RNA viruses are a piece of code that insert themselves into our genetic machinery and give it new signals to make new types of proteins. And each of these proteins, we'll call these signaling proteins Genes. There's roughly 15 genes in the COVID-19 virus, as I understand it. And so a gene simply means that it's a completed code process. In other words, it creates a functional protein in our system and there appear to be 15 of those. I mean, you might say, well, how do we know it's man-made? You know, coronavirus is one of the viruses known to cause the common cold. The colds have been around forever. And how are you getting to this place? Well, I looked at what they're using as their evidence for the idea that viruses were causing plagues in the 1800s and they don't have good evidence. <laughs> they they have uh they're looking at some symptoms being reported. There is no viral code being found in the dug up ancestors. There is DNA And they're like, oh, look at this DNA. It kind of resembles what's the code in this RNA virus. So it must be that. And no, guys, that's not evidence. So you have to then say, well, how could it even be possible for a piece of code to exist on its own? And the answer is it cannot. And this is one of the biggest pieces of evidence, right, is that viral RNA codes are not capable of having thought of having survival instincts. They don't have survival instincts. You know, that's one of the biggest misconceptions. They're a piece of code. So they don't have their own DNA. So they don't adapt their DNA accordingly. That's a huge, huge information. So uh, one of the epiphanies I had in doing the, the research, and I believe that one of my talents is to sort of see the gray, the, the not quite stated information that might be coming out of, of, of research languaging. And a couple of things stuck out to me. But the bottom line is that the viruses don't mutate to avoid detection from our immune system. They're mutated by our immune system, by our DNA. And because our DNA is so friggin' incredible, and I can't explain to you, the level of complexity that runs your body, you should be so proud and so desirous of wanting to restore it to its original health because it's, it's such a powerful tool in a pandemic-like situation. We'll get into that. We'll get into how this is sort of big picture. But the big news is if you want to look up the code that is written into the coronavirus, you can see original coronavirus code. In other words, coronavirus code that doesn't have a bunch of nasty inserts into it. This would be more like the common cold variety of coronavirus and within that, and we might go into a part two here, we'll see how much, I, I never really know how much talking I have to do on a subject, but we see that there are specific insertions of essentially genes, full insertions of some other viruses genetic code and this is another RNA virus so this idea that they get together and mate and create what's called antigenic shift so I'm going to use a couple of terms and I'll explain them for you but there's there's really a very important thing going on in the messaging that you need to be you need to be in the know about which is there's antigenic drift and there's antigenic shift so we're going to get into a little bit of that today so When you see that full-on genetic codes, like genes, specifically designed to evade the immune system, the human immune system, are spliced in. So like the last nucleic acid of the exact coronavirus code ends, the splice is dropped in of, let's say, the HIV viral code to, that helps these viruses insert themselves into immune cells themselves. Okay, so that code is in this coronavirus. How interesting, right? And then the code picks up right where it left off. Just like the coronavirus code, that splice literally is a cut in a gene. And I, I'm trying to think of all the different ways to make this really clear to you. A piece of code doesn't splice in a hundred to a thousand base pair code. Literally there's 30,000 base pairs in the COVID-19, 30,000. And you're going to appreciate what that means here in a minute As I give you this big picture again, so you have this thousand piece code. That's not how mutations work. So first of all, like I said, the aha moment for me in reading the viral research was that RNA viruses don't mutate to avoid detection. RNA viruses mutate because they're running their system through our DNA. And our DNA says, forget that. I got mechanisms for you, pal. I'm going to shut you down one way or the other. So I'm going to try altering your code to see if I can shut you down. And if I change that, you know, thymine for uracil or, you know, I, I swap a nucleic acid for a different nucleic acid, which is called an antigenic drift, okay? So that means that there is a slight change in the code. I might, in fact, shut you down. And in fact... Just about every mutation you can imagine, except for the very complicated splicing mutations that, like, you can't wait to hear the story on how they explain that in the literature. I'm literally looking at viral literature, which is quite technical and difficult for all of you to read. So allow me to be sort of the summarizer of the crazy. So the human body, which they don't tell you, they don't specifically tell you, well, they say, oh, yeah, the virus mutates. Well, how does the virus mutate? Now, yeah, there's errors. There are going to be occasional errors. When you're cranking out that much protein, there are going to be occasional errors in the protein manufacturing. But those are proteins. That's not the viral code. That's not the RNA piece of it. So you're going to see proteins getting off, and that's you know good for the human body. In fact, what I would tell you is... of the mutations that are occurring with the COVID-19, and by the way, this applies to the flu virus and other viruses, which really starts to boggle the mind, are purposeful and negating. In other words, they shut it down. And the literature pretty much says that. You know, they don't get into the specifics of, they say things like, you know, Most of the mutations are harmful. Some are neutral. And rarely you have mutations that are beneficial and create more harm. And what they don't say is that how each of these are happening. They don't get into the details of what they look like. Now, millions and millions of dollars of our government monies around the world are being spent on analyzing viruses, but they don't share that information with you. You'd be saddened to know that that the government grants, like the NIH, all these antiviral grants that are occurring, are occurring to private industry. They're curving to colleges like Harvard and MIT and institutions that are quote unquote nonprofit that are unknown to the public for the most part. And so when that person is given $100 million, let's say, to analyze viruses, and they come up, they don't analyze viruses, they're figuring out ways to manipulate the virus. And we're paying for it. And then they patent it. And so then we pay for it again. And if it's ever used in some vaccine or in some more nefarious means, and I don't have the evidence to tell you that these guys are spinning these viruses off into the world today, but I do want you to understand that currently one journal study done out of the national viral journal suggested that as many as 40% of all cancers are caused by viruses. I bet you didn't know that. Now, the official byline at this point, I think, is 15% of all cancers. This study was questioned. My sense is it's actually closer to two-thirds. Two-thirds of cancers are caused by viruses, and about the other third of cancers are caused by toxins. And... The reason why RNA viruses are all the rage is because RNA viruses have a pathway into our DNA and DNA viruses do not. It's a uh, different method. If you're using a DNA virus, the the concept of mass infectivity rates is impossible. And again, I know you're saying, "Well, you seem like you're going down this this conspiracy road, Dr. Johnson, like it's Listen, all you have to do is get your foundations right. And once you analyze the coronavirus and the insertions and you realize that two pieces of RNA code do not kind of eye each other and go, "Ooh, wow, you're looking sexy over there, HIV. Hey, what's up, COVID-19? Like, what you got going on? I I think we should mate. And I bet we could put together some genes between us. Some powerful children could happen from this. No, guys. No DNA here. No conscious strategy by the viruses to evade detection they evade detection through millions and millions of dollars of analysis of how the human body attacks viruses and then trying to figure out how do we work around it and when you ask these viral labs well why are you doing this they say oh well we're worried that there's going to be biological warfare and someone's going to use a virus to attack our country so we need to be ahead of the game and understand these viruses even better and i'm just crying foul on that you know like i don't know if in the end of this cuz they you know they initially said oh yeah it was man made and it was accidentally released really it was accidentally released around a uh a meat market or whatever story they want to tell you. I got some interesting information on that too. I think we're definitely going to have to go into two, two pandemic update episodes because it's really fascinating when you started thinking about the whole monkey conversation in all of this or the pig, you know, the swine version uh, conversation it gets really interesting when you start applying your logical brain, which I'm going to push you to do today. So the point is to say here that the evolution of a virus is a bit complicated. It it basically has a lifespan and it's gone. And so it runs through a population and depending on how infective it is, how virulent it is, in other words, how quickly it grabs onto your mucous membranes and initiates a viral production rate of proteins that then spreads all of those proteins around the body as fast as it can because... Faster it can do that, the more impact it can have on your cells. And it might, in some cases, allow for a further like entrenchment of the virus within the system. And it all depends on how healthy your system is, how quickly you respond. But when I started to do the math on how many different cytokines, remember that's another word for like growth factors, or chemokines, which is just another... Similar to a cytokine, it's chemicals that are involved in the repair slash immune slash inflammatory cascades and or just peptides if you want to throw that in there. So there's probably 10,000 antiviral chemokines, cytokines, and peptides in our bodies. That's incredible. 10,000. And this is in a system that really has never seen these viruses before. And again, yes, there's occasional stories of, oh, I think this plague back in 1820 was caused by a virus. No evidence of that. No viral particles they're pointing to. You know, there was no one back there analyzing bacteria going, oh, yeah, it came from this bug right here right and so you know you just have to let go of all of the conjecture related to how far back do viruses go and know that RNA viruses do not live without a host they cannot originate that's the real question is how do they originate and there are really no good theories on that i think the most compelling theory i've ever heard about how a virus originates is that it's dead tissue So somehow our bodies slough, our bodies waste. After let's say we destroy our own cells when they're no longer functional or when they are, you know, severely damaged. Apoptosis is the technical term, but uh, you know, our own cells will will take them out. Sometimes they'll harvest the parts. But the idea that our super intelligent DNA that runs a hundred trillion cell network with ultimate precision and timing. Creates in the dead debris, whatever (laughs) that somehow it like creates all these different codes to produce this RNA strip that then is a virus, it stretches the imagination too far. Like, so what I'm telling you is, there's no scientific, valid scientific theory that could explain how all these RNA viruses are in our community and. They don't live on their own. They don't originate from somewhere. They're not hiding in the pools of water that collect or in the vents of our system waiting for the opportunity to come out and play based on whatever environmental factors. It doesn't happen, guys. So these are core foundational concepts I want you to have in your brain as you realize what's going on and how we're moving forward here. This was a man-made virus. By all indications, most of the viruses, I think all the viruses that we're seeing out there are man-made because they don't have any other origin of explanation of origin, I guess I should say. And they can't live without a host. So they all die off. Other They would normally die off. And yes, I know the world will tell you that It was vaccinations that leads to the die-off of viruses, but that's not true. Viruses die off because of the spread, the natural immunity that forms in communities as a result of everyone, or at least a significant majority, being exposed to them. And remember the human body is mutating and collapsing them. So like strains can, can die off simply by proper mutations. And now do I trust an AI system like the human body that runs a hundred trillion cell network and has millions of different immune cells that it's coordinating all the time in a split second. Do I trust that system to do the right mutations to disable a virus when we are feeding it new toxins all the time. Think about that. We have a million toxins running through our body every day. A lot of times they're brand new chemicals that they're introducing into society. What's genetically modified food? Brand new information being attempted to distort our microbiome. We'll get to that in a minute. So yes, I trust the human system to do the right thing. So when you realize that the mutations they talk about, oh, coronavirus, watch out, it's highly mutatable. It's mutating all the time whoa, it's not mutating because of its brain. It's a piece of code. It doesn't have the ability to come up with ideas on how to evade. It doesn't have the ability to read what's going on in your body and go, oh, look what they're trying now. Let me work around that by switching this up. So this is what the research paper kind of says, but doesn't say. It's kind of like a read between the line thing where these research studies on viruses, they say, oh yeah, there's a ton of mutations." But they don't tell you, well, how are the mutations occurring? What type of mutations? You know, they, they'll give you a sense that most of them invalidate the virus. Some of them are neutral. And very rarely, there's this magical code that was built to evade immune attack. Oh, man, that's the one that gets me going. Because I mean, when you, I walk you through this, you're going to come away from this going, that's impossible. But wait a minute what the heck are we doing with flu vaccinations? This is the magic moment I hope you have when you come away from these two pandemic updates. So again, if you have a a man-made virus and you know that the human body is not creating worse viruses. And you know that this is an RNA virus, like most of the viruses we're having trouble with, and that they are not capable of thinking on their own and creating their own special code or mating with another virus to create code. It gets silly. It gets silly. There's, There's never been two different species. And yes, you know, when you have, let's say, the HIV virus and you have the COVID-19 virus, they are two different species. They're really almost, I mean, I hate to call them species because that implies that they have consciousness and a goal of survival. They don't have any of that. They're just a piece of stupid code. Complex is all hell. 30,000 base pair code. How do you get that, by the way? How do you accidentally build 30,000 base pairs in dying tissue that are all functional. You know, one of the shocking things about COVID-19, I believe it's got 15 genes. It doesn't have any wasteful code. How interesting is that? Now I want you to think about how this RNA Uh, Supposedly it has evolved into, oh my gosh, you know, coronavirus is just this little common cold-like reaction. It hardly did anything at all, and now it's evolved into causing clotting of our blood vessels and attacking several different organ systems in the body and evading all kinds of evasion of our AI system. It has figured out how to evade almost every mechanism we have. How did it figure that out? Well, the only way, you know, in the Darwin uh, application of evolution, which is things evolve to survive, throw that out the window. There's no survival mode or mechanism in a piece of code, right? So you can't think of it evolving. What you have to think of it is as luck, that somehow this 30,000 base pair code, Got lucky, and each new nucleic acid that was added to it—which remember, totally non-functional additions, right? Because until you finish writing the gene, let's say that the gene is ten thousand base pairs long. Oh no, let's go with five thousand. Five thousand base pairs long. It could even be a thousand base pairs long. It accidentally stumbled in piece by nucleic acid piece in one person, mind you. Remember, like. There's no advantage to a virus who has built 99% of a gene. There's no advantage to that gene at all until you put in that last nucleic acid and the code is finished. So we're talking about, let's go to the thousand base pair model. 999 base pairs that accidentally with no additional functional purpose add it on to the next one. Oh, we got lucky. Oh, look at another mutation. Remember each mutation is random. You have a 30,000 base pair code and each mutation is random. According to the scientists, of course, I believe the body's doing those mutations and this whole mutation story is a joke, but so yeah, there is. So in their theory, Oh yeah, just random. Got lucky. Got lucky on one and that had to have happened. Remember, in order to get lucky on the second one, you have to be in the human host who was lucky enough to mutate the first one. Now, how long is that virus going to be in that human host? Yeah, there might be thousands of mutations. If you can, when you think about all the viral particles that are produced in an infection, let's say of a, of an older person, because the younger you are, the better you fight the infection. So you've got this base (laughs) code, and this coronavirus, and this this guy's got mutations happening, and you got, oh, we had a lucky mutation. We don't know what's lucky yet, though, right? Oh, we had a mutation. Now, then you have to have another mutation that adds to that gene, and then another mutation after that, and then another mutation, and that you have to have 999 lucky mutations that happen that do not increase the survivability of that virus. Bingo, the last one goes in. Oh, we're so. This virus was so lucky. It had a thousand unique mutations occurring one right after the other that wrote a gene that created a peptide that interfered with a highly complex AI driven immune system that was figuring out how to shut this virus down. Wow, that was lucky. But wait, there's more. 15 more genes got built in the same lucky mutations thousands and thousands of base pairs you guys I hope that picture made sense that is nonsensical that is no scientific validity whatsoever this is why I speak with such confidence when I tell you all viruses are man-made all viruses are biological warfare we're testing pot for various codes that have been written over the years and were constantly being evaluated. The viral labs are analyzing what our human body does to shut that last one down. How did, huh? Oh, I thought the codes on this one were pretty virulent, but no, the body still was able to shut down down pretty easily. I wonder what mechanism they use. Let's study that. And they literally, that's what they spend millions of dollars studying. Quite frustrating, All right, I I know for me, this part two is coming up now. For you guys, you're gonna have to wait a week. I'm sorry for the tease, but we really should divide these up. So I will be back with you next week to continue the craziness of the pandemic update, the Slippery Slope part two. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ask Dr. Ben. Please leave a review if you can. And subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts to get access to all of my upcoming episodes. My website is osmosisbeauty.com and you can find me on Facebook at Osmosis Beauty. You can also follow me on Instagram at osmosis underscore beauty. Thanks for listening.